All right, we're looking at, uh, again, a handful, a good handful of various Proverbs tonight, and I will give you the, uh, the particular reference as we read them. So first, we're going to look at Proverbs 3, 7 through 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. 12.15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 15.25. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. 16.5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. 18.2 and 12. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. 1925. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. 21.4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. And 21-24, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. 22-4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor of life, honor and life. 25-6-7, do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. And lastly, 29.1, he who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. All men are like grass, and all man's glory is like the flower of the field. Uh, the grass withers, and the flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we talk about it further tonight. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we have to acknowledge that that is true, that we might, live, <clears throat> we might live 70, 80, 90 years, but your word, it will last forever, and your word has been around, the words that we've just read have been around for hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of years. Father, your word is abiding, and we need it more than we need anything else, uh, because in it we find you. So would you please be here with us by your Holy Spirit uh, to help us to hear it, to cause us to hear it. Father, work in spite of our sins, work in spite of our distractions. Um, Be gracious to us now, we pray, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. In July of 2016, during the, uh, the presidential election campaign, 
Uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence sat down with Leslie Stahl uh, for an interview uh, that was uh, for 60 minutes, the show. And uh, at the very end of the interview, uh, Stahl says that uh, this is going to be her last question. And she begins like this. She says, quote, uh, to Donald Trump, she says, you're not known to be a humble man, but I wonder, and at which point uh, Donald Trump jumps in, interjects, and he says this, quote, I think I, I think I am actually humble. I think I'm much more humble than you would understand. Now, look, this is in no way a political illustration. Uh, doesn't have anything to do with the politics uh, or about the people. Uh, but I, uh, uh, yeah, and it's not about whether President Trump is humble or not. Uh, but I bring up that conversation because I thought it was interesting for this reason. Um, they both obviously had very different ideas of what humility is. Right? I mean, Leslie Stahl goes into that uh, conversation, or into that question at least, and in her mind, it's a foregone conclusion that he's not humble, that even he's going to agree with that. And yet he sharply disagreed with her. You know, how can, how can they be that far apart? And I think in some ways it, it begs the question of, so what does humility look like? What, what does it mean to be humble? And is it, is it a good thing? Is it a good thing to be humble? Uh, does it matter at all? And uh, if you've been with us, you know this is our, our third installment. Uh, as we go through this semester, we're studying through the book of Proverbs. And our theme each week is uh, a life of wisdom. Because Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And uh, we've said every week that wisdom is really, we could sum it up sort of as a skill in living. Living life well. The art of living. Uh, and so Proverbs actually talks a great deal about the subjects of humility and pride. In many ways, uh, it's fundamental to an understanding of what wisdom is, to understand humility. They very much go hand in hand. Uh, so tonight, as we begin uh, for the rest of the semester, sort of taking a, a very topical look uh, through Proverbs, uh, tonight what we're going to see is what, what Proverbs has to say about Pride and humility. And so, uh, un, you know, uncharacteristically, I have two points. It might come as no surprise to you that first, we're going to talk about pride. Secondly, humility. There you go. We'll have some sub points to you outliners that were disappointed by that. You'll be okay. All right, so pride, we're going to look at that first. And we're going we're to look at, here we go, three things about pride. Now everybody feels more at home. We've got three. We're going to look at uh, how to identify it. What it produces and the end result of it. So first, identifying pride. And we have to say that all throughout Proverbs, pride is uh, depicted as something, uh, it's a negative attribute. It's not referring at all to the pride, uh, you know, in the, in the sense in which we might tell our kids, you know, like Amy and I might tell our kids, you know, we're proud of you. Um, or pride in the sense of uh, Trying to do something, putting your hand to doing some sort of work, doing it well, and feeling a sense of satisfaction, right? I have pride in my work. That's not really what it's talking about. Um, all right, so what is it talking about? Look at 2124. It says, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. 
And all through Proverbs, the scoffer is the, it's one of the main pictures of the opposite of wisdom. And he's described the opposite of wisdom is arrogant, haughty. Look at 6, 16 through 17 there. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the first it says haughty eyes. Uh, haughty comes up a good bit throughout Proverbs. And you could literally translate it uh, lifted up eyes or, or a rising pair of eyes. In the picture, it's of someone lifting their head to, to look down on someone else. Uh, I think it's probably very much, it's, it's probably the same idea we would say uh, looking down your nose at someone, right? That posture is what's being described here. Uh, haughty, it's, it's arrogantly superior or, or disdainful of people. So the proud person is the one that, quite frankly, thinks of themselves as better than other people. Pride doesn't feel compassion really for other people, but feels condescension towards others. Uh, look at twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And similarly, 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And so I think we could sum it up like this, uh, this aspect of it. That the proud person doesn't want to listen and just doesn't listen to anybody else. Because they, they've got it all figured out. They know the answers and they don't need to hear from anybody else. And in fact, they'd be happy to tell you about it. So we need to stop and take a second and try to be reflective about ourselves uh, and see, as we identify what pride looks like from Proverbs, to see if we see it in ourselves. What would it look like if it's at work in us? How would you know? And I think one of the things that would sort of push us to ask would be something like, um, do you have people in your life that you look at as sort of those people, right, in quotes. Uh, the people that, yeah, who is it for you that, that just drive you crazy, that you look at and it's just, there's that guy, those people, right? It can be, uh, you know, it might be um, black people or white people. It might be Republicans or maybe it's Democrats. Uh, it could be... Um, it could be the Greeks on campus, or it could be the, the non-Greeks on campus for you. Um, it could be uh, the rich people, or maybe for you it's the poor people. The in- intelligent or the unintelligent, the awkward or the socially elite, right? On and on. It doesn't matter, but do you have people in your life that sort of just categorically you look at and they're, they're just those people? That's what pride tends to do. Because the idea is that you're better because you're not that. And I think another good, diagno- good diagnostic is can anybody ever tell you anything? Uh, do you ever ask people for advice? Or is it rare that you ask people for advice? Uh, do you think that you haven't figured out? Are you quick to tell, tell people what, uh, what you think? And when, people, when you hear other people's opinion, do you often find yourself either tuning out or just thinking, just thinking that they're dumb? 
or that they can't add anything to you. That's the prideful person. That's pride at work. And I think another good diagnostic is this. It's not foolproof, of course, but um, you're probably... You're probably a pretty profoundly proud person if you think you're not. Again, it's not, that's not 100% of the time. But it, if, it's, if you don't even think that you struggle at all with pride, then, then you probably have to watch out more than anybody else. Because as you see through the Proverbs, pride tends to be deceptive. Right? You, can't, you can't hear what you need to hear. And if you don't at least struggle with it, it's probably deep inside you. All right, secondly, let's look at what it produces. And we're going to try to clip through this. Um, It produces a couple of things. First, overall, pride produces evil. It's going to produce wickedness and sin in us. 21.4, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Right, the idea of the lamp of the wicked. uh, In other words, it's what... It's what shows you your path, right? That's what the lamp does. shows you where to go. What's, what's guiding your way is um, haughty eyes and a proud heart. And it's only going to lead to wickedness. Um, yeah, so looking down on people, being condescending, being a proud person, it's not just something that's, it's not just something that's gross and we just kind of don't like in other people. It's, it's necessarily going to work its way out into evil in our lives. Um, secondly, another thing it's going to produce, it's going to produce discord. See that in 6, 16 through 19. It says six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination. And a lot of commentaries will tell you that, um, that really what the, uh, the main idea is the seventh one. That all that list of six things, and then and says, and then the seventh. That really, that seventh is the is sort of what they're all pointing to. And what you see in that list is that it's really all pointing to what um, where did it go? Discord among brothers, right? And the first thing that causes that is haughty eyes, pride, right? And it makes sense if you think about it. If you look down on other people, if you think you're better than other people, that's going to drive a wedge between you and them. And so maybe if, if you have trouble getting along with other people, it, it, just might be, it just might be our pride. That's what it produces in us. Let's look real quickly at the end result of pride. Um, Proverbs gives us a handful of thoughts about how sort of the final outcome. Uh, one thing it's going to result in overall general ruin or destruction. Uh, look at 1812. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. So if you flip it around, when a man's heart is haughty, that's going to result in destruction. 1618, pride goes before destruction. 2923, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Right? Overall, to be a proud person, like we said last week, it's working against the grain of the universe. And it's going to just ultimately cause you to come undone. It's going to cause you embarrassment. Second aspect, 25, 6 through 7 that we read a, a few minutes ago. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it's better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Right? You get what that's saying. 
Um, don't assume that you'll, all right, I'll, I'll get this spot of honor at this, you know, whatever function. And then you have the, uh, the person that's in charge say, oh, actually, no, that's not for you. And then you're embarrassed. It's going to result in our embarrassment. Uh, it's going to result, this one I, I find really chilling. It's going to result in our hardness of heart. Um, pride has a way of entrenching itself in your life. And in your heart, it makes you more and more callous to its very existence. Uh, 29.1, he who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Right? You see what that's saying? That you, know, you can correct somebody enough, enough times that if they don't listen, eventually they just, they just tune out. They can't hear it. And then they're unable to hear. And lastly, it's going to result in punishment. 1525, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. 165, everyone who is arrogant in, their, in, in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Right? Proverbs says that not only is it the grain of the universe to, to not be proud, but that God actually actively works against prideful people. So pride and its results are not a very pretty thing. And, and you might be realizing that there's a lot of it inside you. Uh, and so, we, so now let's take a look at humility. Uh, again, humility is the, uh, the picture of the opposite of pride and the arrogant. Uh, and it's often equated with wisdom. So what does it show us about humility? Um, a humble person, I think fundamentally a humble person is... It's the person that sees themselves for who they really are. And sees themselves for who they really are in relationship to God, primarily. All right, listen to this. I don't think we read it uh, you know, on, your, on your sheet. But listen to Proverbs 30, 1 through 4. Listen to how this guy thinks of himself, this author of the Pro- Proverbs. Is, um, it's not written just by one person. There are a few other authors that, I mean, that state their authorship, and this is... One of them it says the words of Agur, son of Jaqeh, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. You see, basically, it's this example of, of Agor, or whatever his name is, um, recognizing, uh, recognizing God for who he is and how he created. He has the power to create everything, everything that you've ever seen. And he sees God for who he is and it makes him see himself rightly in relationship to that. And, and he basically says, who, who am I? I, I, I'm a, I am nothing. I'm nobody. And he admits that he's not wise. It's what we talked about last week from, uh, from, three, from Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Do not lean on your own understanding. Be not wise in your own eyes. Uh, the humble person 
the humble person sees that they aren't wise. That they don't have all the answers. Uh, The humble person is also one who seeks out and listens to advice. Look at 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, very simply, it's a recognition that I don't have life figured out. I don't have all the wisdom. I can learn from other people. Uh, The humble person is one that learns and is willing to be corrected. This one, yeah, well, all right, 1925. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. You see what that's saying? Um, If the scoffer, remember, is the one that's kind of uh, hopeless. So if you um, rebuke or strike a scoffer, He's, he ain't going to learn. He's too dumb. But the simple, if you recall, is the one that's um, kind of neutral, open to listening. Well, he'll see that and learn. All right, that leads to punishment. All right, I'll learn something. But if you strike or reprove a man of understanding, he himself will learn something. Right, you get the picture. Um, that a wise, a, a humble person can be corrected can be criticized and recognizes that there's wisdom to be gained in it. Um, They see it as a good thing because they, basically they think to themselves, well, I'm certainly not perfect. There's something here for me, as painful as it might be. Um, This is one, yeah, this is one that's particularly painful for me. Uh, Look, nobody likes to be wrong, but I'm really bad at being wrong. I'm really bad at being wrong. Um, and it's fairly routine at our house that Amy might gently and appropriately point out something about me that's wrong. And I can, with like ninja-like deafness, twist that and in that conversation, make things work so that by the end, she's apologizing. That's the fool. That's the foolish person. That's the proud person that can't, that can't learn from criticism. And I'm good at it or bad at it, depending on your perspective. So look, how, what about you? How do you do when somebody tells you that you're wrong? When your professor or your roommate or your parents or your boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever it is, comes to you and, and points out something, uh, brings something to your attention, how does it go? Do you get defensive? Do you strike back? Um, Or do you learn from it? The humble person learns from it. Uh, Lastly, overall, we see that uh, the humble prosper. 22.4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So that we could say overall that uh, that the humble person... They're, they're cutting with the grain of the universe, right? And it seems counterintuitive. Because we would tend to think, probably that the, the proud, never doubt yourself, always confident, you know, has it all together, knows all the answers, that kind of person, self-sufficient, those are the ones that prosper. But that's not what the Bible says. I mean, certainly that can be true, sometimes they do, but the reality is, is that ultimately that's going to lead to death and destruction, but humility leads to life.
All right, so I want to I want to end with uh, I want to end with this picture of the of the proud and the humble that Jesus gives us in the New Testament. Uh, he gives us this picture in Luke eighteen, Luke eighteen nine through fourteen. I'm going to read it for you, and we're going to talk about it for just a minute. All right, so this Jesus says he Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like, I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Right, that's the picture. In some ways, we could have just read that. And called it a night. But I want you to see that I want you to see that pride and humility in our hearts, they don't just manifest, they don't just manifest in relationship to other people. It goes deeper than that. Uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual aspect to it. Um, the Pharisee is obviously the epitome of pride, the Pharisee in this story. And he applies, it applies to how he thinks about himself in relationship to God. Because he feels like he's got it all together. He comes to God in his strength. He comes to God with his resume because he's proud of it. He comes to God with what he's done um, and his accomplishments. And so he doesn't really need God because he's done it all himself, he thinks. He feels like he's arrived. But the tax collector, the tax collector knows he's a screw up. He knows that his life is a wreck. He knows that he doesn't have any business being in front of God. And so he comes to God in his weakness and he throws himself on God's mercy. He just admits what's true about himself. And he's the one that leaves justified. All right, so what about us? Because um, we could, we, in a sense, we could end here and say, like, so, so shouldn't you be humble like that before God? Let's pray. And, well, sure. But what is it that would make you feel like you could begin to be humble before God? What? What is it that would make us feel like it's actually okay to go before God and say, I'm a huge screw up? What would make us like this tax collector? And actually the answer, actually the answer is humility, but it's not our humility. It's Jesus' humility. Here's what I mean. Listen to Philippians 2, 6 through 9. This is talking about Jesus. And it says, uh, who, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Did you catch what that's saying? Right? It's the good news of the gospel. It's what, we, it's what we talk about every week. That Jesus, who had every reason to be proud, who had every right to condescend to everyone, to look down upon in all justice and, and rightness, he showed the greatest humility imaginable. He gave up the glories of heaven. He gave up unending glory and delight, unbroken fellowship with the Father. And he came and he, he humbled himself in an almost unimaginable way to the point of death. And his humility is what makes us able to go to him and admit our pride and all of our other problems. Because if you, if you trust in him, then his death becomes your death. And you get this new record of righteousness. You get Jesus' righteousness. And it's all by grace. And so what that means, the more that that truth gets down into us, it gets into our bones, um, the more and more we're actually able to be humble. Because we know that the penalty for our sin, for our pride, has been paid for. And so we can actually come before God because we know God to be gracious. And we can say, this is true of me. I am a proud and arrogant person. I am, fill in the blank for you. I am a liar. I am a terrible friend. I am a pervert. I am a thief. I am, I am whatever. Because it's already been taken care of. And we know that we have God's love for us, even though we don't deserve it. And that makes us humble people. I want to end with this illustration. And look, this illustration in some ways is kind of goofy. But it's also kind of, kind of beautiful. Um, there was a reality show like 15 years ago, 2003 I think. And it was called Average Joe. Um, and it was modeled after The Bachelor. Um, and so basically what happened is this, you know, they took this, uh, or Bachelorette maybe. Um, they took this, you know, beautiful girl that thinks she's signing up essentially for The Bachelorette. And on the first night uh, of the whole deal, instead of getting, you know, limo after limo of just like really good looking guys that are all, you know, fit and great incomes and all that sort of stuff. She gets a 16-passenger van full of, as you might guess, average Joes. Just normal old guys. And so you know how those shows go. There's lots of like meet and greets where you, you have drinks and you, everybody's kind of vying for her attention. and right, you, uh, They spend time talking. But, but there, was, there was something pretty amazing that happened on this, on this episode. Um, so basically this one guy, this you know, kind of nerdy guy is talking to her. And in the course of the conversation, he basically asks her about, you know, says like, have you, uh, have you met Jerry yet? Who's another contestant, another guy, you know, vying for, for her. Have you met Jerry yet? And she says, no, I haven't met Jerry. And he says, wait, 
you haven't met Jerry? Oh, what? You, you got to meet Jerry. Jerry is awesome. Hey, Jerry, come over here. You got you to gotta meet Jerry. All right, if you've ever seen The Bachelor, Bachelorette, like, that ain't ever going to happen. But that guy, he understood to some degree, right, that he's not God's gift to women. And he understood, he realized that he didn't deserve to be there at all. And it freed him up. And again, I know it's sort of goofy, but it's sort of beautiful, isn't it? Right, that, the fact that he didn't deserve to be there, it freed him up. And it, it changed how he viewed himself and everybody else. It sort of made him a humble person. So how much more so when we realize that we don't deserve, we don't deserve the love and the favor and and the righteousness of the God of the universe. When we realize that we don't deserve that, how much more would that make us um, be vulnerable with ourselves? Be able to say, look, yeah, this is me. And be humble. Because grace... Grace frees us up to be humble. It changes how we view ourselves and everybody else. Uh, And that grace is offered to you tonight. Jesus' grace is offered to you even right now. And I I pray that you take it. Uh, Maybe even for the first time. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we have to confess that we are all proud people. Whether we choose to admit it or not, we, we love to look down on others. And yet you in your, in your infinite, infinite humility and your love for us, you humbled yourself. Jesus, you came and you, uh, you put yourself in our place. Uh, Jesus... Help us to to believe that and and not just to see that as an example. So you did it so we should be able to do it, but to know that you did it for us so that we might, so that we can be saved from our pride. Father, help us to believe that. Uh, We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.